Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of the 40 Guard Labs Threat Intelligence Podcast. And once again, I have my good friend Omar Lakani with me. Omar, how are things in, in over there? Well, uh, Jonas, it is a wonderful night. I am uh, just finished enjoying some dinner, uh, listening to some jazz music. You know, that's kind of what I do on my, my nights here right before I decide to go on the dark night and go do some threat hunting, looking for the bad guys. That's an interesting environment you put yourself in before going for the hunt. Um, I'm, I'm quite suspicious about that. <laughs> you don't quite believe that story, do you? <laughs> I mean, sometimes I don't know what to believe or not when, it, when I talk to you. But I do believe you spend a lot of time on underground forums and on the dark net. And, you know, Amar, it's, it's my favorite time of the year. It's like uh, December. We had very interesting year, a lot of up and downs. A lot of things happened. The holiday season is approaching, Christmas days, spending time with friends and family. But I think it's a good point as well to look a little bit back about what happened in 2022, have like a quick recap. And also based on all the data we gather, all the patterns we see, think a little bit about what might going to be happening in, in 2023. You know, I think it's, it's, first of all, my favorite time of the year as well, because it's the time where McDonald's brings back the McRib sandwich. So that's pretty awesome. It's only there for a limited amount of time. And this is not an advertisement. It's just a pretty good sandwich. But, uh, uh, but I agree with you. It's always a good idea to like look back and see what happened in 2022, as well as kind of uh, look ahead and see what's happening in 2023. In, in, indeed, indeed. Um, so if, if you look back, what was the biggest surprise to you or what was the biggest takeaway for you when you look at 2022? You know, I think um, a little bit of the biggest surprise and I, I don't know if I would call it a surprise, but I think it was it was at least interesting on like threat actors like Conti and some of the other threat actors having their playbook leaked. Um, and I think it was also interesting to see how, you know, aggressive law enforcement was against threat actors. And this kind of had a compound effect of us giving giving us uh, defenders and threat hunters a little more insight of what's going on behind the scenes. You know, for example, we always kind of knew that threat actors like had recruiting events and they used to like go get talent from different threat actors, give them bonuses. Now we actually know like how much are they, you know, bonuses are they giving, what the pay rates are, you know, how the recruitment efforts go. Um, we understand like hey, these uh, threat actors are sometimes like outsourcing some of their work. Uh, we kind of understand a little bit more about like how um, these guys are actually, you know, getting into systems that it's not as complicated or as complex as we thought they were. They were literally buying credentials or databases from leaked websites or of leaked websites and uh, using those credentials over and over again. Uh, so it's... Uh, it's a little crazy uh, to think about it. We always knew that, but I think, um, you know, putting it all together in your face was a little interesting. And a lot of other people in cybersecurity besides the threat actors are not paying attention to that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we look at the insights, it became very, very detailed. We went down. I remember you and I, we spent hours together on Zoom calls, having like Russian translators open, translating like these documents, these conversations getting like all the juicy stuff about even local salaries, how they recruit people, what kind of new buildings they want to purchase. And we went on Google Maps and had a little bit of fun on that. So 
I think it was it was different for once. We always had this idea that these things are going on, but now it's pretty much black and white. But also besides seeing how much salaries these guys have in, in their companies, we also saw how much money they actually made, right? And we talk about the really, really big numbers here. We talk about a couple hundred millions. I think just in the... Um, um, Conti was considered at some point a cybercrime unicorn, since we talk not about millions, we talk about billions. So there's a lot of money which they have, which funds a lot of their future attacks. It gives them a lot of op- uh, options to buy new cutting edge zero days, but also invest in, in R&D. Exactly. So first of all, uh, they are investing in zero days, but they're not really using those zero days. So we don't know, or we don't know exactly how they're using zero days because it seems like the old attacks are so effective. Um, you know, it seems like the affiliates are definitely making the majority of the money, but when I say majority of the money, no, no one's going home poor, right? They're, they're, everyone has probably more than they can spend in several lifetimes. And it's also interesting on, um, you know, some of the conversations we saw on, you know, how they're, you know, uh, kind of putting the money through the system, right? Um, you know, me and you were examining uh, a, a threat actor that basically on chat, he was, uh, he was telling, uh, you know, uh, telling the group basically how he has restaurants in several different countries and he's like not laundering money through that. It, it definitely seemed like a, a episode of like, you know, something that you would see on TV on some uh, movie or TV show or something like that. I'm like, wow, this is, this is actually goes on in real life. And, uh, and money mules as well. Like, you know, they get a percentage of like transferring money during lo- like local Bitcoins, local cryptocurrency exchanges. So there's a whole sophisticated network that keeps the money moving constantly, which is really hard to keep a track of if you're, if you're new in the field. Yeah, definitely. So even though most of these events were financially motivated, when during the same timeline, we also saw that the same threat actor, which we just talked about, but also definitely there were others as well. But um, when we talk about Conti during the same timeline, in the beginning when of the war, when the war started between Russia and Ukraine, we also saw this pretty much financially motivated group being a little bit more committed towards Russia, which then became um, not really financially motivated anymore, but more of uh, espionage, sabotage kind of purpose. So we talk about financial motivated attacks, but then we saw a lot of wipers being on the horizon again. And I, I remember very well, we discovered a lot of wipers over the last decade, but usually it was like one big one per year or pretty much one which we were tracking. And I think just this year alone, we have seen seven or eight different wipers in over 20 countries uh, all over the place. So it's definitely something which changed the landscape a little bit as well. What are, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, a few years ago, we like me and you and I know like other security professionals or colleagues, we used to say, don't worry about wipers. It's not really it's not really anything to be concerned about, because, you know, if they take off uh, in any significant manner, it's going to actually hurt the financial uh, security or, you know, the solvency of some of these threat actors. And they're never going to want to do that. And, um, you know, we've seen for a number of reasons that wipers have grown in significance. First of all, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the war, uh, the Russian-Ukraine war. Now, I think this is the first time that I know where it's been so open, like cyber warfare has been so open. Of course, we've always known that it happens in the background. Uh, we know it's kind of been a hot cold war for a lot of uh, nation states out there. It's been a, a definitely a way of gathering intelligence. But this is really being used in attacks to triple infrastructure to, um, you know, promote, uh, you know, forward, uh, you know, movement in battalions and in armies 
So it's being used in a very, very active manner on, on both sides, it looks like. And uh, yeah, I think I think you know when the kind of the dust settles down, you know, you know, God, God willing, you know, you know, you know, it will settle down for both sides. And uh, you know, I think when that happens, I, I think uh, you know we're, we're going to be enlightened to like how you know some of the things that really happen in cyber warfare uh, because both sides are getting some excellent experience in that, probably not in the way they wanted. Uh, and so uh, of course their goal is to destroy, and you know we've seen wipers target those areas, but at the same time we are seeing wipers from threat actors, your tra traditional threat actors as well. And um, they really don't care about, um, you know, setting up the field or setting up the longevity of threats, right? They're just like, want to get their money or want to make some sort of impact. Or it could be that they just want to, you know, as a famous quote from uh, one of my favorite movies is some men just want to see the world burn. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, we're seeing a little bit of rise of that as well. And that's kind of unfortunate because it puts a lot of people at risk. Definitely, but also it opens up the opportunities and possibilities for these cybercrime groups because a lot of these wiper samples which have been spreading all over the places are publicly available now. So they can be reused for different kind of attacks and implemented in maybe financially motivated attacks where initially this was not the case. For example, when we think about the ransomware, one big element of a ransomware attack is always to put a lot of pressure on you with a timer. And the timer's purpose usually is to let you know how much time you have to pay. And if you decide to not pay, then the consequences are that they will probably double or increase the amount of money to a certain, to a different level. But if this timer now goes in reverse and ends up at zero, they will threaten you that at this time they will start sabotaging you. So they will implement wipers or the wiper will trigger. And it also makes life a little bit more difficult for people on the forensic side, I assume, because it's much harder to do forensic if all your systems are not available anymore. If the, if the files are just encrypted, it's, it's not good, of course, but you can still use technically the operating system, where if a wiper causes a lot of havoc you cannot even start operating system anymore so it will be interesting to see how strategies will change based on the information available now yeah no so you bring up a very good point is that uh you know you know it's you know, threat actors that are taking advantage of that are taking advantage of that, you know, for, for a lot of reasons. And it's no doubt one of the reasons is to cover up their tracks, especially from uh, forensics experts. Uh, as you said, uh, not only is it difficult, uh, it's like, you know, sometimes if you have no files, you have nothing to do forensics on, right? If everything's gone. And some of these wipers can be extremely destructive where they're leaving very little, um, you know, uh, basically evidence or trails for anyone to do any type of forensics. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's making it a dangerous world. It's definitely a much more aggressive world than I think uh, we've seen in the past. But um, and, but uh, but I also think this is the new normal now. Is that we are seeing this as kind of the standard. The timers are going away, as you said, and it's kind of becoming standard. Like you pay uh, the first amount is a very large amount instead of doubling. Uh, now now they just start asking for like the largest amount they can. I've seen ransomware, uh, you know, uh, ransoms, uh, you know like starting off like you know 10 million dollars sometimes they get negotiated to you know four million or two million dollars but we're talking about a very very significant amount of money yeah and, and i think one thing which will lead to even 
more money being fueled into the cybercrime ecosystems is the way these cybercrime groups are expanding their portfolios. In the past, we have always seen, or we still see a lot of phishing as a service, botnet as a service, ransomware as a service. So it seems like a lot of individual services, but they start to offering like everything in once. It sounds like this one big SKU, which you can sometimes purchase from vendors and pretty much get every software or product installed. And I think on the cybercrime side, they gonna call it, or it's, 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 we call it crime as a service offerings, where it's like pretty much the full-fledged portfolio where the seasoned criminals create sell as service attack portfolios so the attackers will be able to leverage pretty much any emerging attack vector such as deepfakes, target influencers, target political people, and really take advantage of their subscription-based offerings. Yeah, you know, one threat actor I came across, they were they were offering something of an equivalent of like an enterprise service agreement. Basically, you would pay upfront a very hefty fee for an upfront license, and that license would give you access to multiple products you could use over the year, including all the ones you mentioned, including other things like doxing, including uh, things like, uh, you know, refund and, uh, you know, uh, retailer, uh, you know, scams, and like basically how to get money back on refund checks, and, um, you know, a whole bunch of different things, like you said, phishing, botnet, uh, ransomware, uh, you you know, uh, um, uh, DOS attacks, uh, everything under the sun was out there, and you could pick and choose which one you wanted so i thought that was pretty hilarious and i think you're right you are you are not only seeing uh you know uh threat actors do that or you're seeing kind of these threat actor brokers that are like have multiple threat actors that they're coordinating with uh you know uh, kind of broker the service and take a percentage of top so uh there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of interesting creative ways i think uh uh you know we're seeing the evolution of threat actor and their business model yeah, I think sometimes when you think about predictions, all you got to do is look at the legitimate business side, what companies and people are doing, and then threat actors are adapting accordingly because they have a pretty good idea about what's working, how normal businesses make money, and then they just adapt similar strategies with malicious intentions behind them and malicious motivation. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> you, you know, like what's working and it can be the opposite. Like sometimes like the threat actors are so creative, like we're like, man, that makes a lot of sense. Like we should adapt that on the on the defensive side. Right. And uh, so uh, so I think it goes uh, both ways. But uh, but I think for sure the threat actors are very good at figuring out like, you know, what's a what's a good business opportunity for them, uh, you know, uh, copying some of the techniques like in, on the legitimate side and turning that into evil. Yeah, that's why why I love talking to you, Zamar. You have always good idea, you have good creativity. You're very close to these guys when it comes to doing research. And with with that being said, I really appreciate all the podcasts I was able to do with you this year. And I'm looking forward to have more exciting ones in 2023. Thanks so much for, for being part of it. Well, no, thank you for inviting me. I know we have some big plans in 2023. Uh, we're planning on bringing multiple guests, like experts uh, with a different, uh, a different take. So uh, I know we uh, are planning on talking about more about artificial intelligence, um, you know, machine learning, uh, uh, deception technologies, honeypot technologies. Like, so there's a lot of cool things I think we we have uh, planned and hopefully we'll get a chance to do that and uh, talk to some, some guys that are hands-on and, uh, you know, uh, up to the their elbows in uh, in some of the grease of uh, cybersecurity. So I'm looking forward to uh, having those podcasts with you in 2023.
definitely you you deserve your your new pick mac man you you really do <laughs> thank you sir all right guys thanks everyone for listening in we wish you all a lovely holiday season and recover well and we hear us back in 2023 take care